what is going on? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Overreaction Sports Show. Brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast, Vodcast Network. I'm your host, the voice of the Overreaction Sports Show. My name is Joe Miller, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. It's so good to have all of you guys with me both live and kind of in person, but also in podcast form during this week. Draft week is upon us, but it's been a great week. It has been a fantastic week. I've had a really good week at the, on the new job. For a lot of you, I, I've been kind of vocal on Twitter and just here and there about uh, about a new employment, or I should say a new career kind of path for me. So it's been a great week at work. Uh, my guy Brad brought us canes from Ohio. Can't go wrong when you get some raising canes up here in western New York all the way from Ohio. My daughters were in their glory. They haven't had canes in a long time, but it's been about four years, actually. Uh, it's been an absolutely gorgeous weekend this weekend up here in Western New York. It was a wonderful Sunday at Life Church Buffalo. And as we all know, Josh Allen is still the Dolphins' daddy. But I just wanted to say welcome. I just want to welcome every single one of you, all of the regulars that are in the chat right now, uh, those of you watching on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, as well as those of you, as I said, who uh, will find this podcast uh, during the week, this week of the draft. And I want to tell all of you, or I want to say to all of you, as I say every single week, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, at the gym with your AirPods in, on the drive to work, or watching me live right now, let me just say one more time, of course, welcome. Please do me a favor, like and subscribe, whatever platform you're on. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the Buffalo Rumblings channel. If you're on a podcast, uh, subscribe to the Buffalo Rumblings channel. Like, uh, if you want to leave reviews about my show, that'd be fantastic. We are going to be Super Chat Live for this episode, as we are every single episode here on YouTube. If you want to Super Chat me, you got to be over on YouTube. And here's the thing. This is a live broadcast, live broadcast of a podcast. So that means that my intention for this show is not to necessarily be super interactive with those of you that are in the live con uh, live chat section. It's almost like you're getting a behind-the-scenes, like a behind-the-curtain view of me doing a show. So imagine yourself on the Colin Coward set or on the Jim Rome set or the Pat McAfee set, and you're kind of in the background. Like, that's what you guys that are watching live, the difference is, is you kind of get to talk to each other during the show. However, this is what I'll tell you. If at any point in time during the show you have a question or you have a comment, something you want to ask me, you can super chat me. I'll do my best to get to any chat that I see that works for me. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't pay a ton of chat, a ton of attention to them, but if you do super chat me, it shows up in a bright color. I will see it. I will read it and we'll interact a little bit. Now you don't have to do that. And you know, I'm not saying I'm not here to hit you up for cash. It just makes things super duper easy for me, but yes, jump on that like button for me. There's what, 11 right now on YouTube? I need more than that. So it, whatever platform you're on, jump on the like button. The NFL Draft, ladies and gentlemen, is upon us. The NFL Draft is upon us. I love the draft. I absolutely 100% love the draft, have always loved the draft. I love the event that is the draft. I used to, every single year when I was in Columbus, Ohio, at a draft party with all of my friends, uh, it was always at my house in my basement. It was just the place we all kind of congregated. Um, I think except for maybe one year where, where we didn't do it at my house. I love draft parties. I just, I just love the entire event. It's just a lot of fun. I like watching on certain days, whether it's ESPN or NFL, I like to go, go back and forth depending on who the hosts are, or I should say who's on the panel, right? The problem is, is I just don't watch a ton of college football. This is not a secret for you. If you listen to this show or if you guys have watched this show at all, you know, I've, I or, or Hump Day Hotline, I've told you guys, I don't watch a lot of college football. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. UB, when I was growing up, was not a D1 school. There just wasn't a big college atmosphere in Buffalo. I did live in Columbus, Ohio for 13 years and have seen what a college atmosphere, a college town is like, and it is insane. It's it's reminiscent I've said this often as well. It's reminiscent of the Buffalo Bills in the 90s and what Buffalo was like back then. And dare I say what Buffalo is becoming like now. It's incredible to see just in the four years that I've been back home since 2018, how many more people are wearing Josh Allen shirts and Allentown shirts and 
Bills jerseys and Bills shirts and red, white, and blue. It's just, it's, it's been incredible. I am excited though. I've done some research <laughs> and I've read up on some positions and some players that I feel the Bills will most likely be keying on, but we're going to get into that a little bit more later. That's the whole premise of tonight's episode or today's episode, whatever, if you're listening, listening to it during the day or this morning's episode, if you're listening to it in the morning on the drive to work. However, I had a pretty cool opportunity. I was invited to speak at uh, the Professional Football Researchers Association Conference here in Western New York. I was invited to speak this past Saturday at that event. And it was, I didn't know what to expect going in. I'll just be honest. And some of those guys, I made friends over this weekend. <laughs> so some of those guys are probably listening to me or watching me live right now, or they're going to catch this show in post as a podcast. But I got to hang out with these really cool dudes, guys that eat and sleep and breathe football history, not only the NFL, but going all the way back. Like there was a, there was a Tonawana Cardax reference on Saturday. But I got to I got to sit down, not sit down, but I got to I got to deliver a presentation, if you will, on this show, what I do, how I got started, 2019, a little bit of my time with fanatics, obviously jumping over to rumblings, and then the future, which is as some of you do know, and some of you probably don't, there's a dream out there still to create the Overreaction Sports Network. And it is not a podcast network that would compete with Buffalo Rumblings, and it's not a podcast network that would compete with Buffalo Fanatics, Built in Buffalo, any of those guys. It's literally the dream is to start a internet-based 24-7, 365 internet radio station that's completely commercial-free. That and, and I got to talk about that a little bit to these guys, which was cool. Lou Picone was there. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> some of you don't know who Lou, Lou Picone is. Look him up. He's a former Buffalo Bill. I've actually got some of his football cards. My uncle, in case some of you guys don't know, is uh, a Bills historian, and he's an author, he's a writer, and he's, uh, I think he's in charge of the Western New York chapter of the Professional Football Researchers Association. Uh, he's written several books, uh, Rock and the Rock Pile, real quick, 100 Things Bills Fans Should Know Before They Die, Game Changers with Marv Levy, co-authored with Marv Levy, and most recently, he wrote a book called Relics, which is the history of the Buffalo Bills in objects and memorabilia. This book is a new approach to chronic chronicling the history of the Buffalo Bills by telling the story through its memorabilia and various collectibles, including game-worn equipment, one-of-a-kind objects such as Ralph Wilson's Hall of Fame jacket, cherished, uh, cherished mementos from the players, including championship rings and other surprise items, as well as items such as the whammy weenie. I don't know how many of you remember the green whammy weenie. I still, to this day, I remember being a kid. I remember being like seven or eight years old. We're talking proud, right? So early 80s, we're talking proud. Maybe I was 10. And I remember the whammy weenie. And I remember sitting there, even at that young age, going, this is weird. <laughs> this is just strange. The whammy weenie. And then lo and behold, they find out that it's got lead in the paint. And they recall them all and they're all gone. There's probably some people out there that have them. But the whammy weenie, of all things... Like, I don't know how you compare a whammy weenie next to a terrible towel. And for those of you that don't know the reference, if you're too young, it was a giant green hot dog, the whammy weenie. If there's somebody in the comment section that's old enough to understand what the hell was going on or what the point of was the whammy weenie, I would love to know. Because for me at 48, going on 49 next in a couple months, yikes, bro. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Amanda Davies says, I'm not Googling that. That's probably, <laughs> that's probably wisdom. Amanda Davies bringing wisdom into the room, into the chat room uh, during this live broadcast of the Overreaction Sports Show. Anyways, anyways, Flutie Flakes, Game Pro, I'm moving on. Game programs, action figures, pennants, and the whole, and a whole lot more is in this book, Relics. My uncle, the book, uh, the, the latest book for my uncle, Jeff Miller. Mike Haim was there, statistician for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, it was a phenomenal, it, like cool, like pleasure to connect with Mike and hear about just the stressful world. Mike is the guy. So if you're watching, if you can't watch, not watching, if you if you can't watch a Bills game. So if you're in wherever and you don't have Sunday ticket and you don't have access to the football game and you're and you're doing like the 
the the fantasy football alerts or you're doing something like that on the on like the NFL app where it's just giving you the play by play. So, you know, second down, Bills run to the right, gain three yards, singletary to the right, gain three yards, blah, 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 blah. Right. And and make it to the the opponent's 43. Mike is the guy that types that stuff in. It was phenomenally interesting to hear him talk just about that sort of thing. And the stress, I can't even imagine the stress. He talked about the power outage game with the Chargers and some other things like that. That was a freaking fantastic conversation with Mike. Uh, I know that he listens to the show. So, Mike, if you're listening, little shout out for you there, bro. Uh, there was just a lot of really cool guys there that know a lot about football history. And all that to say this, that I had no business being in that room with them. <laughs> Zero business being in that room with them at all. None whatsoever. However, I would tell you this, if you are interested in football history, not just the NFL, but going way back, if that sort of thing, you know, tickles your fancy, if, if it's what, you know, not keeps you up at night, but if you find yourself Googling things, Chris Jenke would be a guy that I would be thinking of right now. If you're one of those people that just loves football history, not only Bill's history, but Bill's history and plus, um, or if you want to start connect, getting connected to people who are, I would tell you to jump over to footballresearchers.org and join. Buffalo, or I'm sorry, pro football. Did I say Buffalo? Profootballresearchers.org. Profootballresearchers.org and join. The membership is $35. I'm not getting paid for this right now, by the way. This is literally just because I had such a good time on Saturday with these gentlemen. Uh, and you will get to join a pretty interesting community of football purists. Like they're a lot of fun. They're they're very cool and they're very smart and they know a lot about what they're doing. It's awesome. But the real reason that I bring all of this up, the real reason that I'm talking about this before I get to the reason that we're having this show this episode i should say is scott birchtold was there he was kind of like the keynote speaker if you will he was the main speaker and i'm going to be honest with you i audibly vocally verbally out loud said after he had gone i think he had an hour to speak he spoke for more than an hour and when his time was up i literally said i yield back my time <laughs> like i'll give you the 20 minutes or half hour that i was supposed to have to speak if we can just hear Scott talk some more, because the stories, good Lord, the stories that he told, compelling, enthusiastic. He's just, he exudes friendliness. Like It's its funny because I had kind of a preconceived notion of who Scott was even before I met him and before I had the opportunity to be in his presence and hear him talk. And a lot of that is because I've sat on this side of the the, the computer screen listening to the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills coaches over the last 30-something years do press conferences. And he was always, to me, the keeper of the answers, right? So I always kind of pictured him as this, like, overlord of sorts. You're not going to talk about this. You're not going to ask these questions, and you're not going to give answers to these. If you remember, I think the first time I was alerted to the presence of Scott, and I didn't talk to him about that. I got to talk to him for a long time, and it was incredible. Uh, off to the side. The first time I was alerted to Scott's presence was probably J.P. Lossman when J.P. was here. And it got to the point, if you remember back then, the media was ferociously going after not only every player that was the Buffalo Bill at that time, the, the local sports media, but every quarterback specifically. Like, if you got drafted or if you came as a, it came in as a Buffalo Bill, it was who could get to the quarterback controversy first as a media member for Buffalo back then. I, I don't know if you remember that, but if you remember those early press conferences with JP, JP would get asked a question and not all questions, but sometimes he would get asked and then he'd do this. And if you can't see me in the podcast, I'm going to basically pause and look over my right shoulder. So a question would come and JP would go. And then he would provide an answer. So JP would get the question. He'd look over to his right. And then he would answer or he wouldn't answer the question. And what he was doing is, is he was getting a signal from the Bills PR guy, Scott Birchtold, on whether or not he could answer that question. That was the first time I was ever alerted to the presence of Scott Birchtold and the PR guy for the Buffalo Bills. And if you remember, that was early on in the whole drought. It was maybe middle, a third of the way through the drought time. And then you progress forward and it's all the coaches that can't answer questions and Dick Durand's, I got to look at the film and blah, 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 blah. And I always kind of had this feeling that, that like Scott was behind all this stuff. And he kind of became this like dark overlord of the, of the answers. Like, give us answers. Like, I'm a season ticket holder. I deserve answers. Where are my answers? Scott, let them talk. Take the muzzle off. And what's funny is like, 
I couldn't have been further from the truth. I couldn't have been more wrong about Scott and what his role role was uh, for the Buffalo Bills, for the players, uh, for the coaches in general. The amount of players that love Scott, the coaches that love and you know Scott, and the, just he was genuinely excited about the life that he had got to live as the Buffalo Bills PR guy. And I'm 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 spending a little bit of time here because the stories were truly riveting. To the point where he's talking to me after his presentation, we're out in the lobby talking and I'm like, you should write a book. And he was like, ha, 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 yeah. And then about 20 minutes later, he's like, I probably should write a book. And I'm like, yes, bro, you should write a book. His time as a child growing up, wanting to be in the NFL, his time in college, his time with the Packers because he was with the Packers first and his internship and and then his road to Buffalo where he spent 32 years with the team and got to work 32 Super Bowls. Everything was just fantastic. It was absolutely riveting information and I got to spend a lot of time with him and it was a really one of the, it was one of the coolest connections that I've probably made doing this or as a Bills fan ever. And Scott, I, you're not listening to this, but if anybody anybody listening to this knows Scott, tell him or text him and just say, Hey, I was listening to Joe Miller's podcast. And he just said some really awesome things about you because it was a phenomenal, it was just a great, it was, I was blessed to to just have that conversation with him and hear him speak. And my understanding is, is if you join the, the professional football researchers association, my, I think he's coming back next year uh, to do another presentation or, or to tell more stories. Cause the dude's got stories upon story. You name a player, you name, what I, I texted Fina and I said, Hey, I'm listening to this guy talk right now. And it's riveting. And Fina immediately texted me back. It was like, that's Scott. He's my favorite person in the whole world. Tell him I said, hi. And that's kind of like everybody's feeling about Scott. He's just the man. So yeah, I, I I'll, I'll move on from that. So if you're interested in football research, if you're interested in the history of football, the NFL professional football in general, uh, professional football, or I said profootballresearchers.org. Go there, join up. I'm going to join as well. So it's 35 bucks. I'm going to join just because. Real quick, before we get on the reason for this episode in uh, specifically, because I want to get to it. I don't want to be too super long on this glorious uh, day of weather that we're having here in Western New York. Real quick, I want to talk about the market dominator team, which is led by John Spascheck and uh, and Scott uh, Catillus. So if you are in the market uh, for purchasing a home or selling a home, if you are in Western New York or anywhere uh, around the country, Scott and his team, or Scott, John and his team can help you accomplish that. I have used John in the past. The house that I'm sitting in right now, when we transitioned from Columbus, Ohio, back to Buffalo, New York, John actually found us this house, walked us through this house, uh, talked to me about the foundation, talked to me about the roof, talked to me about just everything in this house, the plumbing, uh, the HVAC. He taught, he educated me on everything here. If you're looking to buy a house and you don't know the first thing about homes, call Scott, call John, call the market dominator team. If you're looking to sell a home and you're looking to maximize the value of that home, you want to call the best real estate agent broker in Western New York, especially in this market. I know what you're thinking. I could do this by myself, by owner, not pay the commission to whoever the real estate brokers are, and I can make so much more money. Maybe, maybe not. You might actually be shorting yourself a whole bunch of money based on education, understanding, and just what they know about the market. But here's the thing. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, call the Market Dominator team. The number is 716-570-3298. That number again, uh, 716-570-3298. Call John. Call Scott. Uh, that is actually John's cell phone number. He is Bill's Mafia. And if you call it, he'll answer his phone. Do me a favor. Tell him that the voice sent you. Joe Miller from the Overreaction Sports Show. But what they try to do, their tagline is to educate, advocate, negotiate, and dominate. And boy, do they. Super, super cool. Uh, yeah. So you guys are in the chat room right now talking about Von Miller, apparently. <laughs> I'm not touching that. Just so everybody's clear, I'm not touching Von Miller right now. I'm just not doing it. Let's move on. So I believe the title of the show, I titled the show, uh, the top five of the top three, which effectively means I want to talk to you during the rest of this episode 
about the top three positions of need as I see them for the Buffalo Bills. And as much as the Bills are in a position of taking best player available, we know that best player BPA, best player available, is not a completely true thing. They do take best player available inside of somewhat of a bowl of needs that they have. What that means that is that they've got a board and they've got a board of needs to a point and they've got, you know, stacked guys and they do have an overall best guy on the board. However, if quarterback is the best player that's left on the board at 25, the Buffalo Bills are not taking a quarterback in round one of the NFL draft at 25. It's not going to happen. And more than likely, if they, if that was there, they're going to trade out of the round. They're going to move back. They're going to give somebody up, hopefully find somebody to dance with and move out of that position. But I'm not a draft Nick. If you are, this might be boring for you. So if you're not, if you are, if you are a draft Nick, if you have studied and you do mocks and you're on Twitter, if you're, you know, Judge Mathis or Dave Tilton or some of these guys, you know, Joe Marino that do drafts and like and mocks all the time, do me a favor. Don't turn me off. Uh, if you're watching live, stick around and help people in the comment section because I'm going to talk about players and you can give your opinion of sorts of who you think is good or who you think is not good or who the bills might take or should or shouldn't take. I would love to have you be a part of it that way. If you're a a big draft, Nick, and you're super into college football, you might, and you're listening to this in podcast form, you might just want to turn it off. I don't know. Or hang out because I got a really warm, soothing voice. And if it's putting you to sleep, maybe just take a nap. I don't know. But what I wanted to do with this episode in the uh, beginning of the week of the NFL draft is give some of you a cheat sheet of sorts for night one. So Thursday night. Last year, if you remember, we were all surprised when Groot was picked. Some people, me, Jay Spence the King, and some others had no clue who Greg Rousseau even was. (laughs) We had some names and it was like, there were some things out there in space and, as much as there was highly debated conversations last year about not taking a running back in the first round, there were some viable running back candidates to be taken that some of us felt like, I don't, I get why you don't take a running back in the first round. I understand it. However, if Travis Etienne is there, you take that guy, right? Javante Williams is there. You take that guy. If, you know, certain players were there, you take that guy. And, The Buffalo Bills are up and they're on the clock and they take Greg Rousseau. And all of us are like, who? (laughs) Who did did the Bills just take? (laughs) Oh, they got got an edge guy. That's awesome. See his measurables. You're like, oh, he's a big old edge guy. And then it's like he didn't play last year. He's played one year at Penn State, I think is where he came from. No, Miami. Uh, One year. I'm thinking Aaron Maven. Uh, One year in Miami uh, is a converted... I think defensive back or wide receiver at six foot eight and has only really played defense. And and like, as you're getting the information, you're like, Oh, 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 the bills took him like in the first round. What was it? 30 or something like that. So what I'm trying to accomplish, and I'm going to try to wrap it up here shortly. I'm going to, I'm going to get into it like in the thick of it. And I'm going to do my best to keep it clear and concise for some of you. Cause my phone's blowing up next to me is I want to give you guys somewhat of a cheat sheet, those of you who are not draft Knicks, just so you've heard some of these names before. So when the Bills draft, hopefully at 25, or if they move up a little bit, or if they move back a little bit, you've at least heard a couple of these names. Because the reality is, is it's very different now that we're drafting in the bottom 10 than it was when we were drafting in the top 10 to 15. Back then it was easy. We would We knew the top 10 names. We knew the name Ed Oliver when Ed Oliver was drafted. We knew who these guys were because by and large, the casual fan knows who the top five, top 10 guys are in the NFL draft every year because it's all all they're talked about on every sports football, uh, pro football show. Nobody talks about the bottom five guys. Nobody does, right? So I want to give you guys a little bit of a cheat sheet, if you will. I want to give you guys the top five players, like I said, of the top three positions that I feel are the Bills' biggest needs, positional needs, based on what we've seen them do so far this year in free agency. Now, remember, remember, the Bills cut Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders is gone, A.J. Klein is gone, 
Daryl Williams and Mongo are gone. However, they re-signed Ryan Bates, and they signed Roger Saffold, one of the best left guards in the NFL last year, to a one-year deal. They extended Mitch Morse. Tredavious White is injured. Levi Wallace went to the Steelers. Right now, if the NFL season started this week, Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis are the starting cornerbacks for the Buffalo Bills right this very moment. So when I surmised all of that and all the other moves that the Bills made, including bringing on Vaughn Miller, and they have not yet necessarily re-signed or brought back Jerry Hughes and some of these other guys, I kind of got down to the nitty-gritty of what I thought the Bills' biggest needs were. And that includes assessing the Jordan Poyer situation and realizing that we have Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin behind him. But I used a wonderful spreadsheet that Jay Spencer King, one of my best friends in the entire world, gave me off of some research that he did. And I'm not going to get fully in-depth on his spreadsheet, but I used that and I compounded that with five various mock drafts from NFL.com, CBS.com, WalterFootball.com, ProFootballTalk.com, and basically Peter Schrager to kind of get some information of where or what possibilities the Bills might do at 25. I do not have. I do not have the time to give you a full in-depth analysis on 15 to 20 players. I just don't. We would be here for three hours. Nobody wants that. But I can get you familiar with the, with some names, and you may hear some names that you might hear at positions of need for the Buffalo Bills. Now, this doesn't mean the Bills could shock us all and go defensive tackle. The Bills could shock us all and go edge. The Bills could shock us all, right, and, and I don't know, pick safety. I don't think it's going to happen. But they could do it. However, with that, with the information that we have, when I glance or view this roster, when I assess or feel what the needs are for the Buffalo Bills, and let's be honest, what I think and feel means nothing as it pertains to what the Bills are going to do. Zero. Last year, I was pounding the table for a cornerback, and we didn't get, take one until uh, Wild Goose, who was consequently plucked off the Bills practice squad. But if I was a betting man, the Buffalo Bills are going to go. So if you are going to take notes, so this is the moment to start taking notes, mental notes, notes on your phone, notes on a piece of paper, cheat sheet for Thursday. If I was a betting man, I believe the Bills are going to go based off of the situation that we are currently in right now with the way this roster looks. The Bills are going to go in this order, potentially at one, number one, first round, I should say, number 25, 25th pick in the first round. Cornerback, inside offensive line, or wide receiver. Again, in that order in round one, or they're going to trade out. So most likely to take corner, inside offensive line, based on what I've seen, or wide receiver. Now, wide receiver widely because the Bills clearly have Stephon Diggs. I'm going to work backwards. The Bills clearly have Stephon Diggs. They've got, I, you know, they've got uh, Gabe Davis, they've Gabriel Davis. They signed Jamison Crowder. They've got Isaiah Hodgins. They've got, what is it, Tanner Gentry. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Stevenson. They've got a couple guys, but it's not Isaiah McKenzie, obviously, who's more of a gadget guy and a returner. But there's some questions there that mafia, the Mafia has just about the future of that role, that position, which are valid. I would say this. I, as much as that, to me, is the third most likely position of need that the Bills will draft in the first round, I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen. Inside line uh, or in, in interior offensive line, you know, you, you've got Mitch Morse, who's a center who just restructured, extended his contract with the Buffalo Bills, isn't getting any younger. Mitch did say some interesting things like, I can't wait or I'm excited about retiring a Buffalo Bill. Now, when you say something like that after signing a short extension of, I think it was two years. You either know something, meaning that the Bills are going to keep you around as long as you want to be here, or you're expecting to retire when this contract runs out. Is that fair? I think that's fair. 
You don't say I want to retire a Buffalo Bill unless you know that the Bills are committed to keeping you around forever, Josh Allen. Or you've told them, hey, when this extension's up, I'm done. I I, I want to retire a Buffalo Bill. When my extension's over, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. I want to retire a Buffalo Bill. Bill's Mafia for life. Peace, I'm out. So with that, they've got Ryan Bates waiting in the wings, right? Who is a potential center to take over for Mitch Morse. Roger Saffold is only on a one-year contract. It doesn't mean that he couldn't sign again. Interior offensive line. And cornerback, I don't think I need to give you any more information than I already did. Tredavious White is still injured. Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis are your starting cornerbacks. So all of that sets up what we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to do my best to give you this information and it's going to be difficult for me to see my screen. Just so you know, I, I can kind of see it. So if I get a super chat, I will be able to see it, but I've got a giant spreadsheet in front of me and what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with cornerback because I think that's most likely for the Buffalo bills. I'm going to talk to you about the top five corners and I'm actually going to give you a little bit more than five because of the mocks and kind of the way that they look. So again, if you're taking notes, these are the names that you want to listen for. This this spreadsheet that I've got right now in front of me is from Jay Spence the King. This is his work. This is not mine. It's based off of, or I should say, it's compounded with, again, mock drafts from NFL.com, CBS.com, Walter Football, ProFootball.com, and Peter Schrager. The first cornerback, the number one cornerback, uh, as per PFF, is Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU, six feet tall, 195 pounds. He's a lockdown man corner, press man, fluid fat, fluid and fast. His health is a concern. Zone coverage and consistency are also, are also concerns. In the mock drafts that I saw, he was taken in the top 10, not the top five, the top 10, three times. He was taken in the top 20 twice. He never made it out of the top 20 picks in the five mocks that I saw. Never made it to the opportunity for the Bills to even draft him unless they were to move up, which no mock has the Bills necessarily moving up. The number two rated cornerback in this year's draft per PFF is Trent McDuffie out of Washington, 5'11", 195. He's the zone cornerback, which potentially makes sense for the Bills. He's great at tackling. He's got great acceleration. He needs to improve in his man and press coverages. In the mocks I saw, He was taken in the top 20, not the top 10, not the top five, top 20 twice. He was taken in the top 25, which means right before the Bills picked once. And one mock draft had him falling to the Bills and the Bills selecting him at 25. Ahmad Gardner would be next from Cincinnati, six foot three. That's a big old boy. Sauce Gardner. We've all heard that name. This is what I'm talking about. In the top 10, we all know these names. Everybody's heard the name Sauce Gardner, right? He's a press man cornerback. He's a little, he's not the fastest guy. He's big, long, physical. He's not strong in the zone. I saw him go in top five, four times. I believe every time was to the Texans in the top 10 once. Never fell in the mocks that I saw below top 10. More than likely not going to make it to the Bills. Neither is Derek Stingley. Andrew Booth from Clemson, six feet tall, 200 pounds, big kid. He's more of a complete corner. He's got length. He's fluid. A little bit suspect on his his long speed and his tackling, which probably is not ideal for the Buffalo Bills. They like their corners to tackle and tackle well, come up and make plays. We saw that with Levi Wallace. That was what he was asked to do. Dane Jackson is a sure tackling corner. So is Trey. Not one time was he taken in the top five. Not one time in the mock was he taken in the top 10. He was taken twice in the top 20, once top 25 before the Bills, and one mock had him going to the Bills at 25. Kair Elam from Florida, six foot two, 196. Man, these kids are big nowadays. These corners are huge. More of a zone, zone cornerback. He's good on press. He's good at physicality. Commits a lot of penalties. Isn't the most fluid guy. He's he is the number four ranked PFF cornerback 
He was not taken in the top five once, top 10 once, top 20 twice, top 25 once, and he was linked to the Bills in one mock. The bill, somebody had, uh, I don't remember who it was, I didn't write it down, Andrew Booth going to the Buffalo Bills at 25. Did I say Andrew Booth or Kyrie Elam? I can't I, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on Kyrie Elam. So my bad. So I already, I already talked about Andrew, Andrew Booth. My bad. I'm looking at the spreadsheet and it's the writing small. Forgive me. Kyrie Elam was only taken in the top 20 one time. Top five, not once. Top 10, not once. I apologize, everybody. Top 20, uh, top 20 once. And then he was not like he was in the second or third round after that, which somewhat bodes well for the Bills. If they were to go inside offensive line or something like that and then come back and move up in the second round to take Kyrie Elam or Kyrie Elam, rather. Kyler Gordon out of Washington, six feet tall, 200 pounds. He's a slot corner. I can't see the Bills taking him. He was taken one time in the top 20. One mock had the Buffalo Bills out of the first round altogether. Peter Schrager had the Bills taking Brees Hall running back. And CBS had the Buffalo Bills at 32 taking linebacker Quay Walker, which I'll be honest with you, isn't necessarily a bad pick. Other notable or guys to mention as it pertains to corner as we get into more of the late first round, second, early second, if the Bills move back. Kyler Gordon out of Washington. MJ Emerson out of Mississippi. Marcus Jones from Houston. Those guys are all guys that could potentially come in and start right away. However, I've got some targeted guys that I think if it's one of these guys, it's going to be probably Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, or Kyler Gordon. And I've got a little bit of a breakdown from Draft Network coming up for you here in a second. Just stick with me. The next position of need that I feel the Buffalo Bills could potentially take in the first round at 25 would be interior offensive line for the reasons that I listed, which were the Bills need a guard, especially next year. The Bills are also going to need a center soon. So whether the Bills draft a guy uh, and do much like they did with Eric Wood, where he plays guard for a couple of years, then moves to center, or if they draft a guard and move Ryan Bates to center when Mitch Morse is done, I can see either of those scenarios working out. These are the guys and where they were drafted. The number one guard interior offensive lineman that's available is Drake London from USC, six foot four, 200, well, that ain't right, 219. He's definitely not 219 pounds. I promise you he's bigger than that. So clearly the weights are wrong on this. Loose hips, cat, he's got a great catch radius. That's weird. He's not overly fat. Oh, you know what? I know why. <laughs> I'm on the wide receivers. So yeah, this is going well. I'm going to do the guards. So anyways, interior offensive line. My bad. I was in the wrong sheet. My my fault. Stick with me for just a second. Interior offensive lineman Tyler Linderbaum is actually the first guy, the, the highest ranked, if you will, interior offensive lineman. Six foot two, 296 pounds. He's a zone center. He's got a lot of physicality. Needs to work on his technique. I saw him taken in the top 25 before the Bills picked once. Zion Johnson is a name that we've all heard. Big guy, six foot two, 314 pounds. He's a guard, consistent and efficient. I saw him taken in the top 20 twice. I saw him taken in the top 25 before the Bills picked three times. I saw him taken after 25, after the Bills were to pick once. By the way, in none of the mocks that I looked at, did anybody have a guard, an interior offensive lineman going to the Bills, despite the need they have there? Or I should say the presumed need that we all feel they have there. Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, 6'3", 323. Guard or tackle, more than likely translate to guard, translates to guard. Flexible, versatile, commits a lot of penalties. I saw him taken in the top 25 before the Bills picked once. I saw him taken after the Bills picked three times in mocks. This is a guy to me because he can play all across the line. Kenyon Green is a guy that can play guard or tackle. This is a guy that fits kind of the MO of what we've seen the Bills like to bring in when it, when it comes to offensive linemen. Remember that name, Kenyon Green. Donovan West out of Arizona State, six foot three, two ninety six. I didn't see him taken in the first round at all. Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, six foot three, three hundred two. I did not see him taken in the first round at all. Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma, six foot four, three eighteen. I did not see him taken in the first round at all. So if I had to guess one of those guys, Kenyon Green, I'll give you a little bit of a report on that. 
Zion Johnson, possibly. I'll give you a little bit of a report on that. Now, the big one is wide receiver, and all of Bill's Mafia is all up in arms. We got to get more like weapons for Josh. I live in a space where I believe that, and you've heard me say this, that Josh Allen is at the point in his career where he needs to start making the guys around him better. That is where he's at as a professional football player. We kind of see him doing that with some guys. No, I'm not talking about Stefan Diggs. I'm talking about everybody else. I find it highly unlikely based on this wide receiver class, based on the depth, the needs, and some other things that I've read that the Bills are going to take a wide receiver at 25 or in round one at all, especially this note that I read from several places. That the top wide receiver in this draft, which I believe is Drake London, I apologize earlier for calling Drake London an interior offensive lineman. Again, I had the wrong sheet open. Rookie mistake. I've read several places that the top wide receiver in the 2022 wide receiver class could not break the top three in 2019 or 20, or I'm sorry, 2020 or 2021. So in the 2022 draft, the, the top wide receiver is Drake London. I've read several places that he is not better than the top three. The top three, he's not better. So if he had gotten drafted or if he had come out in 2020 or 2021, he would be the fourth best wide receiver. What that says is that while this is a very deep, wide receiver draft class, the wide receivers aren't that good or are potentially not that good or not as good as they have been in the last several years. That alone tells me that I just don't see the Bills taking wide receiver in the first round. To me, it's cornerback, interior offensive line or bust, maybe linebacker, maybe linebacker. But regardless, for the exercise, I'm going to give you the top five wide receivers and kind of where they were drafted. Drake London, USC 6'4", 219. Now this makes sense. <laughs> Loose hips, catch radius, all makes sense. Drops the ball a little bit. I saw him not taken in the top five at all. I didn't see him taken in the top 10 at all. He was taken in the top 24 times, and he was taken in the top 24 or 25 before the Bills picked once. So he looks like a top 20, like 10 to 20 player in this draft. Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, 5'11", 183. He's a slot or Y receiver. He sets up defenders well. He's kind of bouncy, lacks in physicality. I saw him taken in the top 10, so beyond five, so six to 10, four times in the in mocks, once in the top 20, never beyond that in the mocks that I checked. Jamison Williams out of Alabama, 6'1", 179, very thin. He's kind of a rail. Think about that. 6'1", 179 is a guy that's, you know, he's a little bit of a beanpole. Deep threat, fast guy, speed and shiftiness. I saw him taken in the top 10, six to 10 once. I saw him taken 11 to 24 times in the mocks that I looked at. These guys are not coming. They're not falling to Buffalo. So un unless the Bills want to go up and get a guy that is, unless they want to reach, we'll use the word reach. The, the word reach has not been used in Buffalo for a long time. Unless the Bills want to reach for a wide receiver that is not as good as the wide receivers in previous year's classes, I don't see them getting any of those guys. Chris Olave from Ohio State. I think I said his name right. Six foot, 187. He's a wide receiver. Great, great route running skills, good hands. A little bit undersized. I saw him taken in the top 20, 11 to 24 times. Top 25 before the Bills picked once. The guy, the Bills probably don't have a shot at any of those guys unless they want to reach and go up and get somebody. I just do not see that happening when one of these corners or one of these interior offensive linemen are going to fall to them. I just don't see it happening. Now, the next two guys the Bills could potentially be in play with. Traylon Burks from Arkansas, six foot two, two twenty-five, big slot guy. But the Bills are kind of stacked at slot. Isaiah Hodgins is a slot guy. Jamison Crowder is a slot guy. Isaiah McKenzie is a slot guy. Good after the catch. Got a great catch radius. I saw him taken in the top 20, 11 to 20 once, 24 to 25 once before the Bills picked. And after the Bills picked twice, he is more than likely potentially a guy that's going to be there. The last guy, Jahan Dotson, slot receiver out of Penn State, 5'10", 178, smaller guy, quick catch radius, run up the catch, yada, yada, yada. I don't see the Bills taking him either. So those are the players that I have for you. So for those of you that are still listening to me, because that isn't exactly the most exciting news or riveting information, if you will, those are the guys, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you those names one more time. Cornerback, 
The top players in this draft, Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie, Ahmad Gardner, Andrew Booth, Kair Elam, Kyler Gordon, MJ Emerson, Marcus Jones. Interior offensive lineman, Tyler Lindenbaum, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Donovan West, Luke Fortner, Marquise Hayes, wide receivers, Drake London, London, sorry, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, and I've got George Pickens on here just because somebody had him drafted in the top 25 before the Bills picked. I have no idea why. It was very rogue. A little strange. But of these guys, I want to give you real quick before we get out of here, just kind of the draft network summary breakdowns of Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, and Kyler Gordon, just because those are names you're probably going to hear linked to the Bills or guys that the Bills are they're going to be there for the Bills. And then at guard, excuse me, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. So the first guy, Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington, right? Very good athlete, good lateral agility. And this is from the Draft Network. You can check this out. If you just type Draft Network and then Trent McDuffie, you can read all this information. Overall, quick in coverage. Aggressive tackler, seemingly enjoys the physical aspect of the game. It sounds like a guy the Buffalo Bills would be interested in, does it not? Ideal role, starting cornerback, scheme fit, skill set fits, skill set fits any scheme, inside or outside. This sounds like a guy the Bills would go after. Very good man coverage skills. Very effective in zone coverage. He hasn't had a ton of opportunities for, for just ball skills, but it, he demonstrates that he has that prowess, that ability. Loves to tackle. He's efficient on the perimeter and in the run game. Potentially very versatile. He, they have said on the draft on the draft network he displays a necessary competitive toughness required for the position. Yada yada yada, all great stuff. Joe Marino has him graded at eighty six out of hundred. Eighty six out of out of hundred. It would not surprise me if this is potentially the guy if he's there. Andrew Booth, cornerback out of Clemson. He's a five star recruit coming to Clemson. Exciting blend of size, athleticism, instincts. I'm reading right off the Draft Network's page. Physicality, ball skills, competitive touch, uh, toughness that give him the makeup, makeup of an impact starter at the next level. Fiery competitor. What, I love hearing that. He's probably not the best guy in zone coverage. It can be taught, clearly. He's a starting, they've got him listed as a starting outside corner, Andrew Booth. Scheme versatile, but he's best in man. And this was all written by Joe Marino, our guy, Joe Marino, Bills Mafia. Sticky man cover guy, loose hips, quick feet, excellent route runner, anticipation skills. Zone coverage, he needs to work a little bit. Ball skills has made him, he's made a share of highlight real plays on the football uh, and his time spent in college as a receiver and his return, man, he shows up. He's an aggressive, enthusiastic tackler. Love to hear that information. He's a very smart football player. He's good at defending the run. He's long. Joe Marino has him at an 88.5. So if you're keeping track, Trent McDuffie, Joe Marino has at an 86. He's got Andrew Ruth at an 88.5. I would take either of those guys. The next one, Kyler Gordon, no picture. <laughs> Cornerback out of Washington. Exceptional athlete, explosive and dynamic movement. He comes a part of the run game. He's a good football player. Dynamic mover in the in uh, in man coverage with regards to quickness and agility. As a result, he has very good man coverage ability. Zone coverage very effective in zone. Often plays with uh with uh plays with bail technique and his outstanding athleticism helps him close and makes it plays on the football. Good with his ball skills. Exceptional tackler. These are guys when you think about Sean McDermott and his schemes. These are guys that you could see them taking at twenty five to start right away, especially if they don't get a guy like Joe Hayden. AJ Bouwe, something like that. Super competitively tough. Marino has him rated as an 80 overall. Now the guard. So to me, it's one of those three guys, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, Kyler Gordon. If one of those three guys are available for the Bills to take, they're going to take one of those guys. If I had to guess, it's Andrew Booth. So if one of those three, if, if more than one of those three are available, so if two of the three or all three are available at 25, the Bills are taking Andrew Booth. That's my guess. However, they wouldn't be hard-pressed or off if they took any of them. The next two that I believe the Bills could possibly take at 25 are, are guards. Zion Johnson, 
I'll be wrapping up here in a second. Transferred to Boston College after playing at Davidson. Became an immediate starter. Started for three years at guard. He's a good zone, run scheme, fit guy. This is all from Joe Marino as well. Brings an aggressive and physical mentality to the table. Gotta love that. Johnson features a bit of narrow build, but rarely is he easily displaced or out of control. Gotta love that. John Feeney would talk about that all day. Johnson handles the ball rush in the interior and is stout when it comes to setting the depth of the pocket. He's a good football player. High IQ. He's versatile. Joe Marino has him graded as an 86.5. And the last guy that I'm going to give you, Kenyon Green. And if I had to guess, if I'm a betting man, it's Andrew Booth, Kenyon Green are the two guys that the Bills are targeting at 25. If both of those guys are gone, I don't know what the Bills would do. They might move out assuming that these other guys could potentially drop. But I think that these are one of the two guys the Bills are going after. Andrew Booth, Kenyon Green. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> Just like every other mock drafter, every other guy that's doing this research, they could be completely wrong too. Kenyon Green, former uh, five-star recruit, immediate starter at Texas A&M, which is a big school, powerhouse school. Played three years, 35 career starts. See that uh, super chat from Jess, uh, Jessica Tennis. I'll get to it here in a second. Scheme versatile. He can play both uh, positions, guard and right tackle. However, he is more than likely going to translate as a guard. He's a great competitor, consistently battles. He's well-positioned offensive lineman, possessing great lower body thickness. He can anchor. Got great lateral mobilities. Super smart. Joe Marino has upgraded at an 86. Those are my guys. Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, Kyler Gordon corners zion johnson Kenyon green inside offensive linemen and if i had to guess andrew booth Kenyon green those are my guesses i hope you took notes jessica tenna with the super chat thank you for being a part of the show jessica i feel this coaching staff believes they are at the best at developing secondary players i see secondary players cornerback safety later rounds like offensive tackle and offensive guard at 25 i don't disagree at all, I especially with the way that this draft kind of sets up. Thank you so much for the super chat, and I always appreciate you being a part of the show. You know that. But if I'm a betting man, to me, corner or in, interior offensive lineman, and I know interior offensive lineman is not a sexy pick at 25, but the Bills have a real need. They have the two biggest needs, excuse me, on this football team. The two most, and it's not, they can be fixed. The Bills can have the two biggest needs on this football team, be corner and interior offensive line. They could not take either of those positions and still go and re-sign Darrell Williams and go sign Joe Hayden. So they can still address these in free agency. I promise you they would much rather do it this way. To me, it's corner first, interior offensive line, and it's based on who's going to be there. I've already told you my guys. I've told you who my guys are. So hopefully I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys out of here. Hopefully that was enough to give you guys just some, here's some names, right? Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie, Ahmad Gardner, Andrew Booth, Kyir Elam, Kyler Gordon, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Chris Olive, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, Tyler Lindenbaum, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Donovan West. Blah, 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 with my guys, the guys that I like the most being Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth, Kyler Gordon at corner, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green at interior offensive line, and the Bills not going wide receiver in round one. I can't imagine the Buffalo Bills going running back either. I, as much as it might be exciting to see Brees Hall fall to the Buffalo Bills, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. But hopefully this has equipped you well enough to at least understand recognize and uh maybe make a connection between some names that you're going to see on thursday possibly friday as well especially the bills go at 25 and then move a bunch of picks to jump into two so that they can limit the amount of picks they're going to take this year which is very possible the bills could very easily fill both of those roles corner and interior offensive line within 10 picks between 25 and 35 it's not impossible definitely not impossible but ladies and gentlemen, you have been tuned into the Overreaction Sports Show brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Vodcast Network. I'm your host. I'm the voice of the Overreaction Sports Show. My name is Joe Miller. 
You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired, and it is always a pleasure. So for those of you that have hung out with me live, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I know that it's beautiful outside if you're in Western New York, and more than likely, if you're someplace south of Western New York, it's beautiful there too. So thank you so much for spending some time with me. If you're listening to this in podcast form, as always, super duper appreciative that you take the time to listen to my shows. Please like and subscribe on whatever network, whatever platform you're on. Uh, John Fina show will probably return next week to do a post draft show. Uh, Jay Spence, the King code of conduct will be Tuesday. And then uh, the Humpty hotline will be Wednesday, the night of the draft. And there probably is going to be some sort of draft stuff for rumblings on Thursday. And then obviously food for thought will be on Friday. But with that, my name is Joe Miller. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. As always, find me on Twitter, interact with me. Go Bills.